Hi everyone, welcome to this week's Football Aranya podcast. I'm Michael Statham and I'm joined once again by Chaka and James. As usual, we're here to discuss all about Dutch football and answer your Twitter questions, delving into topics such as the national team, the Eredivisie and Dutchman abroad. Make sure while listening to like our podcast, comment your opinions and subscribe on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. Thank you. Uh, we all saw Ajax Feyenoord on Sunday. Um, it was a deserved win for Ajax in the end. Yeah, it was. Um, they were so dominant. I think um, Feyenoord were unlucky to lose Jorgensen, but they were dominated at that point too. Uh, Justin Cliver was incredible at pinning back Karsdorp. So we're sure that uh, he got hooked in the, the second half for injury, though. But he he had a really tough time. I think uh, Kyvert's uh, grown is growing with each game, especially his decision making and things like that. And uh, Ziyech was seeing his sort of best spell form. He had the international break uh, to rest, and he also. Um, Peter Boss had to arrest him for the first leg against Copenhagen because he said that he was um, he was getting a, l- a little bit tired. It was his first season at Ajax, a different way of playing, more uh, more he was playing more of a stringent tactical role than he was used to at his final two years at FC Twente, and uh, I think that rest has really done him good because his performances since then have been ex- exemplary. And uh, even though I actually showed Dominant one, uh, it just shows uh, you, 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 you don't expect them to win the title because um, they've got the harder running. They've got they've got matches against Herenveen and PSV um, after after this weekend, I guess NSC, and they've also got the Europa League against Schalke and. Um, home and away so they've got a lot on their plate and they've got a very tough run in especially the next few weeks and the next month or so and how they deal with that will be very very interesting but I think that gives final an edge I think to go 1-0 up in such a high uh, energy high emotional game within after 55 seconds uh, told you of Ajax's I think they dominated Feyenoord's and uh, obviously it didn't help with Jorgensen being uh, being displaced I think after 20 minutes. I also thought the uh, the behaviour of Berlachaus to, to kick the ball into the uh, into the fans was uh, was a little bit petulant. He was booked for it but it just goes to show that um, the emotions run high and uh, from the fans and also with the players. Um, I thought the reaction was quite telling when uh, when Michel, Michel uh, Kramer scored, that uh, this, um, the, um, the Ajax players thought, you know, here's a, here's a final who scored and we don't need extra pressure for the last two or three minutes. But they managed to managed to see that out OK without any problems. And uh, uh, um, to follow up with a win at home uh, against RZ last night at 4-1 was uh, was much needed as well. But I also have to compliment final. I, I know it's only... Uh, I know it's only go-ahead Eagles, but to lose arguably the biggest game of the season against your closest rivals away 
and then react to that by winning 8-0 against go-ahead in your own stadium is quite impressive. So, um, it's still quite open in that respect, I think, with, uh, with five games left to go. Yeah, I think Berghaus' frustration showed that it was a disappointing day for Feyenoord. And um, Ajax ran and ragged. The forward line was fresh and the movement was like it was exceptional and it caused lots of problems. Feyenoord couldn't handle it. And in a way, it was it's lucky that Dolberg perhaps wasn't involved only because I feel like Traore's movement um, was was would, 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 was much better than what Dolberg could have offered and it helped break and break a resilient final down. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I actually won by a bigger margin. Bosch said after the game he was a little disappointed by that. Um, but that that's clever from Bosch because he wants to keep the pressure on his players to keep the intensity up because he knows that this this final five, six weeks of the season is going to be really, really tough um, on the players' legs as, you know, his style is very... They press and they, they work hard together as a team and the attacking play is very um, it's very quick and I just feel that over these coming weeks it's probably going to tell and Ajax's quality is very good but can they keep it up for two games a week? Um, they showed it against LZ actually that they can but that's now and that's after an international break after some players have been rested. Um, a key player as has already mentioned Hakim Ziyech got a rest and um, showed it again because he was play he was he was brilliant against Feyenoord um, and Karim El Amadi couldn't handle him. He had probably one of his poorest games at Feyenoord because he had to play against Ziyech. Uh, yeah, um, Ziyech was brilliant as I mentioned. But the, the thing that really caught your eye was sort of Traore and you saw how much potential he's got and where he's lacking in the last two games, two three games, including the Excelsior game where he played centre forward. And, um, so little bits where he came deep, skipped past one or two players, drove into the box, but the finish was lacking. And um, there's times where you can see where he makes you sit on the edge of your seat and or piece of movement. And there's other times where he can frustrate you. I, I saw I saw an example in the Copenhagen home game where he saw he's alone by the byline and he traps the ball and it rolls out to touch. Listen, a few minutes later, he's surrounded by three defenders, one one like on his shoulder, just basically nudging him, and he and he traps the ball perfectly. He kills it. He kills it dead, and he spins. He spins out of pressure and plays a perfect pass. And uh, him, he would need to sort of refine those little um, facets of his game to really, really go and go go back to Chelsea and try to make an impression on Antonio Conte there uh, or or to try and get another loan to a Premier League team or a La Liga or Bundesliga side because that's where he's lacking and um, he's got so much potential and he's he's improved in the centre forward role since the game against Excelsior he's improved massively over the last two games but He's got a lot to add to his game. Yeah, I think Traore won't be short of suitors, actually, in, in the Premier League. Um, and we had a question on Twitter, um, and they asked, uh, I think it's Cam, he asked, which players in the Netherlands are currently good enough to play in the Premier League? For myself, I think Traore is one of them. 
because of his pace and his movement and his intelligence. But as you said, Chaka, I think his finishing is lacking a little. Um, there's a reason why he's playing on the wing uh, and not in the main striker role because Dolberg is better at taking his chances. Um, but yeah, who, who else do you think could play in the Premier League? I think uh, David Glasson could play in the Premier League. Whether he could play at the, the for the top four club or top six, I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think he'd look out of place somewhere maybe mid-table. Uh, maybe he'd be a bit too good for a relegation candidate, but I believe that he could play in, uh, in the Premier League. Also, Ziyech with his... Um, I think eventually as time goes on, obviously this is his first season with Ajax, but I think when he gains more and more notoriety, there'll be prem, uh, lots of Premier League uh, suitors. If, if you look at PSV, they have uh, Guardado, who has a lot of experience, uh, and uh, he could be uh, he could also be well suited. Uh, I think I'm going to go for someone that you two both know, uh, Sam Larson. I think if you're a newly promoted team, in the Premier League or a mid to lower level team or any team in sort of La Liga or the Bundesliga looking for that bit of creativity that zest I think someone should certainly go for Sam Larson he's skillful he can play on the left wing he can play in behind the striker he played he plays brilliant games against the bigger teams um, he got two assists for Reza uh, against PSV um at the Philips Stadium, um, he created 90 chances last season. He's created over 60 this season, and he's he's really been a, one of the standout players uh, for uh, Herenveen. He's the third player in the Eredivisie to reach 10 assists. Uh, he's he can also score goals, and he's part of this sort of golden generation of really talented technical Swedish players coming through and he was unlucky not to get a move last season but he's had another good season and he's backed it up uh, after being frustrated with not getting a move at the beginning of the season and he's backed it up with another brilliant season so I think he's certainly someone that uh, the Premier League teams should be looking at and especially if, if you're thinking about you know the VC players might not know, know that level you should Think about some of the Eredivisie players that have moved to to England and, and sort of done well, like you know your Eriksons, your Dusan Tadic's, uh, and pe- people of that ilk. And I think you, I think Sam Larson sh- should be the next player of that ilk to move on. I do agree. Um, in in a video on our YouTube channel, I mentioned Larson as a top ten player to leave the Eredivisie because he deserves a move away into a bigger league. I just all those stats, so Chaka, they're they're good stats. But if sometimes in games you still feel like he can offer more, and his attitude perhaps he's a little bit too arrogant, I think, on the pitch um, and off the pitch, and he has lots of potential still. But um, at this rate, I'd argue that maybe he might look looking at a move to the championship only because he hasn't shone as much as he as he used to. Um, or maybe I'm just getting it wrong and maybe we're expecting a bit too much from Larson. He's playing in Hervain's side that's now struggling in the league. They've they've one of the worst records in the league since Christmas. Um, and he's been dragged down by the whole rest of his team. Uh, but yeah, uh, Larson's definitely a name to put in the hat. And 
I'd probably put a couple more from Ajax into the hat as well. Um, someone such as Nick Verhaver could easily be picked up by a Premier League team. Um, again, I think Klaassen might be looking at a move to Everton if uh, if Koeman's still around. And, yeah, I think Traore will be looking at a move to the Prem as well. The issue with players just Traore and Van Hinkle going back to Chelsea is I feel that they will get to Chelsea and realise they're Premier League champions, they have an immense team, and they just won't fit in because Chelsea are that elite level a club now. Um, but they definitely won't, you know, they, they, they'll definitely be, have lots of interest from the rest of the league. Yeah, I think the thing with Van Hinkle is he had a loan at uh, Stoke where he really, he didn't truly uh, really make an impact there last season before moving to PSV. He had a loan at AC Milan where he didn't do well in the first half of the season but was brilliant in the second half of the season in a in a team which was a ramsham of uh, attacking players and uh, so few defensive players run by an inexperienced coach in Filippo Inzaghi. He also um, and but he's had like two good loans at PSV where you where everyone knows that he's too good for a a Divisi level and he should be embarking on um, at a club at a, a bigger league and the, there's even talks that PSV want to take him on for um, next season which, which is a decision, a decision that he, he shouldn't um, t- take to too quickly because I think he, he he really needs to develop in a in a much higher, in a in in the Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, those big leagues, to really sort of push on and really become the player that he had the potential to be. And um, I think you, you you also have to, uh, if you talk about players moving to uh, primed and ready to move to the bigger leagues, you're also going to talk about your development and where and that's a situation where it will be more conducive for him to move because if I think I Overmars should look to tie him down to a contract then sell him so Ajax in a position where they can get more money for him but I think he can I think I don't think he's going to get more games at centre back I, I also think that you know Teta is primed and ready to to get to get to get games at right back and he deserves the games at right back he's been he did an interview with Football International where he he, he says he's just been waiting patiently for his place. He, he's not thinking about leaving. The only reason that the rumours about him leaving are coming out is because uh, Ajax haven't offered him a contract yet. And um, I think, uh, you know, you need to see a lot of these players move on to a, a bigger league and start to prove themselves there. And that's maybe where... Um, you start to figure that maybe a few players have overstayed a bit. Um, I was going to pick a few names from the the final team. Um, as people from the outside looking in may see some of the stars of this season uh, for the Rotterdamers, and they think they must be good players. They're going to win the league, maybe with a bit of a cushion as well. Who knows? Um, but I think if you're looking at players like Butterheen, Van der Heiden. Brad Jones, Alamadi, Kaut, Taunster, they're all, 
I think they're they're at the peak or they're past their peak, and they probably players like Randa Hyden and Botahi might struggle with the pace of the Premier League. Brad Jones has come and suffered a bad time in Liverpool. Admittedly, had problems elsewhere in life um, whilst there, um, and I think that the only one really that might be tempted by moving to the Premier League, oh two sorry, um, might be Nikola Jorgensen, who said himself that he wants to stay at Feyenoord, he wants to stay in a smaller league and win prizes, and Tony Vilhena. I think Vilhena would have was probably kicking himself uh, last summer because he rejected a move to Leicester. Um, oh no, so it would have been the summer before because um, it was before their title-winning season, and he stayed on. Then he stayed on again for this season, uh, and I think now he might be looking at a move away unless he wants to stay again and play in the pre- in the Champions League. Who knows? Uh, I agree with uh, Botafogo that he would struggle with the pace of the Premier League. I think as regards to um, Tony Vilhena. There was also interest from Sampdoria not so long ago, and I think in his personal um, circumstances, I think he had personal uh, circumstances which prevented a move or which um, uh, made him think in two minds as to whether to move. So I don't think for his, uh, for him not already having gone, this is purely down to football reasons. I think personal reasons are also involved. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see what I think. A lot there'll be a lot of um, there'll be a lot of comings and goings in the summer. There was um, there was rumours that Ajax would go in for uh, Sam Larson from here and Fane. I still think that Ajax will go back in for him. Whether he will choose to move to Ajax or, or to go abroad uh, remains to be seen. Um, just to give a quick update of the game that's being played whilst we're recording the pod, Rodi uh, have beaten. Pexwaller two one in Kerglara and they are now on twenty six points and they go above uh, Excelsior Rotterdam and currently sit in the last uh, relegation playoff place. Yeah, uh, I think Villana. I think uh, last last at the end of last season when his contract ran out, he, there was two weeks where he sort of shopped around. Uh, and him and his father and some of his rep- representatives went to some European clubs and had talks. But uh, I think a club like Inter Milan thought that his demands were too high. So in the end, he had to sort of sign a new contract with Feyenoord. Feyenoord are trying to tie, tie him and Bilal Basesikoglu down to new contracts for next season. Uh, I think Villena, in his case, it's he's still very young. Um, it will be in his best interest to stay another season at least because there's sort of other elements of his game that he needs to refine. He's a, he's a very complete midfielder, but he's sort of in danger of becoming one of those midfielders that's good at, at everything, but in in an actual sense is a master of none. So I think he, he really needs to stay... Um, at at final to pick up his uh, to try and push um, for uh, to to take on a more uh, integral role in the side next season. Um, I think Terence Congolo is one we've sort of missed out because he he's uh, he's injured at the moment, but he's also had a very good season. Can play centre back and left back very effectively. Um, you know, I think most fans of um, Firenord would would have wanted to 
interested to see him and Sven Van Beek in a centre-back partnership, but um, Van Broekhoff jettisoned in his first season and uh, went for the more experienced partnerships, and Van Beek's been injured this season. So I think Congolo would be primed for a move. Um, there were rumours that Bayer Leverkusen wanted him. Also, I think Jorgensen, you have to remember that he scored that hat-trick and those and got those two assists in front of Ronald Koeman at, um, at, um, a few weeks ago at the keep. And I think uh, Ronald Koeman could be someone that's looking for a backup striker to Lukaku if he stays next season. And he he, also, he had success at Southampton with Graziano Pelle. And although they're very different strikers, I think, you know, if, if Ronald Koeman failed to find... Uh, a deal for a good striker in the high league, I think he would go for Jorgensen in the summer, given that it's his former club and he, he still has very close ties to the club. Yeah, I think Jorgensen could go one of two ways if he did join Everton. Because um, as we know, the Rizzi strikers tend to be really good or they tend to be really poor. Um, but I think Jorgensen's got the physical capability to handle the league. He's got good potency in front of goal. Um, I believe he's got like a 56% um, shots and target ratio, which isn't bad for a striker. Um, yeah, and, and his stats don't lie. Um, he's, he, I think he has, yeah, he's got he's a top goal scorer in the league, and tons of assists as well. Um, two more names yeah. we did forget were Yetro Willems, PSV, uh, very good left back, and Rick Karstorp, the right back from Feyenoord. Both full backs, yeah. very modern. Very strong, um, very capable on the ball to help create chances, but also very good going back. Consistency is just my only issue, perhaps with Willems. Yeah, uh, Willems, uh, he had in, in PSV's first title winning season, he was brilliant, but he had that injury that's really sort of derailed him, and he's he's failed to find his rhythm after that. And this season, um, in the match against Bayern Munich, as I mentioned in other parts, uh, Philip Koku sort of brought him off and said that he brought him off because on a performance-based uh, issue, not because of an injury. And he hasn't he hasn't been the best left-back in the Eredivisie this season. So I think he should stay at least one more season at PSB. Um, he signed a new contract one year extension um, I think th- which is which is for him and PSV so if PSV decide to sell him in the summer they can sort of get some more get a little more money for him but I think he should you know stay another season and look to grow um, caused up there's, there's rumours very recently that by Munich quantum I don't know how true those rumours are but he's very capable I think you, you could be thinking about someone who could be, you know, Holland's first choice right back. But right back is, as I've said many times and written many times, is the most secure position that Holland have right now. And uh, I think he could do well with, with the move. He's been so integral to what Fano do in a, an attacking sense. And uh, you really see a uh, right back, which is who is who is almost like a playmaker for a team, and 
uh, and so and he's so energetic and he's improved um, his, de- his defensive play um, as the season's gone on. Although he had that sort of horror show against Clyde, seventeen-year-old Clyvert. So I think he's someone he would be more ready to go than uh, Yetro Williams. I think at the end of PSV's title win last season, Yetro Williams gave the impression that he was really looking to, uh, for a new challenge. And uh, whether that didn't come to fruition due to the right club or or uh, an arrangement made with PSV, he kind of gave the impression in the title festivities of last season that this is a, a nice way to say goodbye and a nice way to leave the club. Um, I think as regards to Eric Karstorp, if, if the rumours of Bayern Munich are true, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for for such a young, gifted Dutch player. I think if, if that does come to fruition where they offer him a contract, he'd be mad to turn that down. As you say, we don't we don't know if the rumours of Bayern Munich for him are completely concrete, but um, it could also be that certain final players, if they do go on to win the league, will want to experience Champions League football um, rather than move away to a foreign club that maybe might not offer Champions League football or or, or might necess- might not necessarily be lured by uh, by a foreign adventure. It'd be very interesting to see. Um, if they stay at the club to experience Champions League with Feyenoord or if, if, if the right offer does come in but they think uh, now is the time uh, now is perhaps the time to move on OK, um, looking at the weekend's games we've got some interesting games with regards to the bottom of the table uh, as James mentioned, Rhoda won tonight um, and but they play RZ away on Sunday um, and you've got teams such as Sparta playing Excelsior, so those, there's two relegation candidates playing each other there. Ard at home to Koninger, um, go ahead at home to Heracles, and NSA as well are still in the picture, um, playing at home to Ajax. Uh, has, has anyone's views changed on their bottom three? Uh, my, mine haven't. I... I uh... I said in the predictions when we went head to head for the midweek round that I yeah. don't believe that Sparta Rotterdam are completely out of the woods, and I believe that to be the case. I don't think they will win, even though they're playing at home against Excelsior. I would be surprised if Sparta win. Uh, it's a fantastic result for Go Ahead in Enschede. I thought that was uh, surprised an awful lot of people. Um, but yeah, I'm going to stick with the with the bottom three I gave, and I. I would be surprised if uh, if Go Ahead Eagles and Sparta Rotterdam are not involved within those places. I think uh, I think I I think I went for Roda Excelsior and Go Ahead. Uh, uh, I thought Sparta a few weeks ago. I said Sparta and NEC would be safe, but the the form has nosedived since then. And um, in this relegation battle, sort of those two sides, um, are, they sort of have the, have the best squads and, you know, coaches who are rated very highly, but uh, uh, they've sort of uh, they've fallen on, on sort of the tough times and the they've been sort of brought into the relegation battle but I think I still think they'll 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 get they'll get by just by the skin of their nose the skin of their teeth 
Um, Ado worries me a lot. Uh, they, they, um, they, 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 uh, they have a new coach, and he, although he had a, a low honeymoon period, he hasn't, he hasn't had the desired effect. Just like go ahead, have have a new coach who they say won't couldn't be there, wouldn't be there past the end of the season, and they're looking around for new coach uh, for another new coach, and they made a lot of loans, and you know you, people tend to believe that you know when you're in a relegation battle, you know having a lot of loan players could be detrimental because the they lack the real fight of cl- uh, players that are actually. You know, tied tied to the club on a permanent basis, um, and they I think that eight no thumping to to um, to Feyenoord is is going to do wonders for their confidence. It's, uh, no, it's going yeah, it's going to be very detrimental to their confidence because uh, they have a they have quite a young squad, and you know, losing eight no is 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 will, will, will be a huge bump to them. So I, I after that, I expect that they definitely might. They will definitely, they'll certainly go down. But I think that um, Sparta and NEC will get by, and Roda Excelsior will be going down with. Go ahead. I think an interesting point to make is: Do you think that the, your bottom three you've picked are the three worst teams? In my opinion, Excelsior uh, may still be going down, but. Um, I was with James predicting Excelsior to stay up because they always seem to find a way but they haven't been as bad as the table suggests in my opinion they struggled with um, perhaps a few unlucky decisions and some a few times Jürgen Matai their centre-back has lost his head he's made a couple of big errors in defence and been sent off twice that hasn't helped um, especially since the sendings off were early in games but at the same time Matai has also been a very good defender for Excelsior during the season, it's just those odd moments, and I think that's had to play a massive part actually in their um, in in their sort of uh, struggling struggling this season. Um, Ardo, I think of being one of easy one of the worst three sides, but they're getting the wins out now while it matters. Um, and and I agree with your point, Jack, about how the Lonies seem to have had a detrimental effect with the Goheads because I don't see much fight from them. That's a very good point to make. Um, whereas Rodi, you see some fight, but they just lack, just completely lack quality. Um, and yeah, Ardo, they, they have a massive problem in defence. Uh, scoring issues as well, but in defence, they're just all over the place. It, their, their win against Villantoy was lucky. Um, they scored twice, but Villantoy easily could have scored three or four to win. And another day, they would have done. The, the marking was appalling. Three free headers from corners, and... In the last few minutes, the team was dropping so and so deep. But Berkelsdijk came on to just literally say, get up the pitch. But they weren't. And so they kept dropping back. The ball will come in. And there'll be three players against six or seven Ardo defenders. And the the ball the ball would have been one in the air or with the feet. And it was like, where, where's the defending? Why, why aren't they winning the ball? And yeah, I think they'll be lucky to stay up, Ardo. And they've got a lot to work to do in the summer. And same for Nijmegen because I also think they've been pretty poor. Um, especially in the second half of the season. I think Sparta um, may stay up, but only because of their form at the start of the season when 
they picked up wins and good wins as well. Um, but it's 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 amazing what's happened to them. I think maybe that when they came up Sparta, they had a bit of confidence from being the promoted side that won the second division um, with a plum as well. Um, but it's just all faded off now, and um, it's quite a dogfight with those six teams because they are certainly the, the six poorest teams in the league. Yeah, I think Sparta. A lot of teams will sort of a lot of sort of the bigger teams were sort of surprised by them because they didn't sort of expect them to play with such confidence, to press so high, to move the ball as quickly as they do. But in recent times, uh, they've um, they've made some really silly mistakes over the, the last two games. Um, I think Van Drongelen, who I rate highly as a future centre-back at international level and to play in a much bigger league has made some mistakes granted he's only 18 uh, for I think uh, Van Henkel's goal against PSV over the weekend um, he sort of traps the ball and Van Henkel just gets in front of him and, and scores off that opportunity ends up scoring off that opportunity and uh, he um and the, the other two teams, Excelsior, they've, they've, they've got some good players, Hicham Fik, um, um, uh, I've Nigel Hassel Bank on other podcasts. And uh, they, they, be, they did well against Ajax a few weeks ago, very well. Um, and I think they also sort of uh, they they would deserve more points for some of the performances that they've put in, but I, I think it's just the the, uh, the matter of you know sometimes you know the teams that are a bit higher of them have have sort of the better squads and have managed to um, beat the teams around them because they've had the better squads, not uh, not particularly because they've been the better team, and I. Um, when you look at a team like NEC, they've got a really good squad, and it's I think it's going to be a test next next season on Peter Hebeler, uh, the German coach, because he, he, that's a very good squad. That's a squad that finished uh, top ten, top eleven last season. Uh, uh, it's a very it's a very different squad, but um, they bought a lot of young players in January and. Um, Players like Jordan Larson, uh, Freddy Kadioglu, who's come through the academy. If he stays, he's 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 a very interesting player. J. Roy Grot, Gregor Breinberg has has been has been is a very good midfielder to have at the base of your midfield. And there's remnants of something that could be some a team that could be closer to the top ten there. And if Hebala doesn't manage to sort of coach them and sort of coax the this uh, coax brilliance out of them next season. Then they could be in trouble, and it could be sort of um, an indication of his abilities as a coach, as a head coach. I think um, um, I stated some time ago on a previous pod that um, when Sparta came up, they were playing fantastic. Uh, football that was surprising a lot of people. Uh, also, to have them back in the Eredivisie, everyone's delighted to have such 
the oldest club in the Netherlands for them to be back at the highest level. For me, the my thoughts on Sparta changed when I saw them play live against Ajax at the beginning of February. When even though they might not have had a lot of confidence that they would get a result in Amsterdam, I went to that game thinking they would choose their best players and give it a real good go. And it's as if they left all their good players on the bench. They didn't even try. They didn't really have a lot of confidence that they, that they could even get a point. And they lost, uh, they lost two 0 I believe. And um, since then, they started on a bit of a, a bit of an inconsistent slope. Uh, with Excelsior, they've drawn ten games this season, and at OESA have drawn eleven. And Excelsior, as I've stated before, they always find a way. And I, I'm confident that they will find a way again this year. Purely not just because of the players they have, but also to have a, a very good manager in Mitchell van der Gaag. Um, as regards to Ardo, they've lost 17 games, but yet have a two-point cushion ahead of Rodriese uh, with five games remaining. It's telling that they're picking up points at such a vital time now, which will really secure their future in the Eredivisie or maybe not but they also have PSV to play at home I believe a week on Saturday uh, I do agree with Shaka about Nijmegen I think two facets of the Nijmegen which we saw last season that we're not seeing this season they had the striker Christian Santos who is now playing for Alaves who was playing a fantastic season last season scoring for fun and, and being a real nuisance against um, against all the top teams and also teams in mid-table. And also, it also goes to show how well Ernest Farber did uh, at Nijmegen last season because um, he, he managed to get them quite high up in the league. I think he's, he's definitely one for the future. You see how Groningen had such a difficult start to the season and he's managed to turn that around. There were a lot of eyes, raised eyebrows that he left NAC after one season to go to Groningen but I think um, I think in my case in, in my opinion the fact that Christian Santos is not there but more importantly Ernest Farber is the reason why you see a, a difference in NSA this season as to what you saw last season OK I think we should switch our attentions to the national team uh, now because we had a, quite a few questions on this uh, the first we'll pick is what do you think is a problem with players once they get to the senior side. The under-19s and the under seventeen seem to be doing very well. What's the issue? Uh, I think some players at under-17, under-19 level move abroad too quickly and um, um, it prevents them from um, getting into first-team football as quickly as some of the lesser talented players would in their age group as um, as they would in, in the Eredivisie. Um, you know, uh, I think you sort, you sort of see um, you sort of see the group of uh, Talith Chong um, and uh, uh, Rodney Congolo and those sort of players and you wonder will, will those players get their starts before you know someone like Dylan Venter at at Feyenoord and if they don't and they're sort of moved out to feeder clubs 
it's really detrimental for their careers and that constant movement back and forth um, uh, it doesn't really help them uh, you know you see how long it took Jeffrey Bruma to really get going in his career and to really start showing his talent I think uh, it could take you know um, Karim Rukic, um you know another year to really sort of get going and think this is my chance I think Nathan Ake if he was playing Eredivisie football he would have got his his national team call up by now because you know last season he, he does he does very well with Watford gets called, called back into Chelsea gets loaned out again does very well for Bournemouth gets called back again and doesn't play for um doesn't play for a Ch- uh, Chelsea and I think the other the, one of the other things is sort of the arrogance of some of the young players because you know you've seen a lot of players who you know they get their opportunities with their first teams and you're like this could be a really good player you know the the touted as being um, future players for the national teams and then they demand a lot of things too early and then when when they sort of get dropped from the team, they sort of start looking at moves, and they move, they move out, move too early. So uh, that that's also a huge problem. And I think um, Ajax over the last two seasons have done very well in the UEFA Youth League, and um, PSV have also sort of trouble teams in the UEFA Youth League. So. So this gener- this generation of players coming through is very is going to be very interesting to watch them because you've already seen the likes of Donny Van Der Beek, uh, uh, Abdullah Nuri, Steven Bergwijn, um, you know Sam Lammers start getting the first minutes for the for the first team and continue to well continue to improve in the East Division. So that's going to be an interesting facet to watch and to see how those players start to grow but I think the major the major major problem is sort of players moving to the bigger leagues too young I think we had another we had an article on the website a few weeks ago that Mick Peters is thinking of moving back to Holland but but he, he moved from um, Ajax or PSV to uh, Real Madrid a few years ago and hasn't made, he hasn't been anywhere close to the first team and the fact that he's already gonna sort of be he's already debating whether to come back that's that's two years lost two years at a very important de- developmental stage in his in his career lost and used um Bilal Uchik, who was very who was very talented I think he scored a few goals at professional level for FC Twente in his final season. Moved to Benfica, and he's he moved to Benfica at 17. He's 19 now, and two years he's lost two years at Benfica, and he's sort of training training at Utrecht, and they haven't they haven't decided whether they're going to give him a professional con- contract or not. And those talks about him going to the MLS, and that's another really talented player that's. That's gone. That, that that's lost two important years of of a developmental phase of his career, and I think that's a problem that you know where these players will need to be given be given better advice and 
not in regards for what they want at 16 or 17, but for the longer term in the in their careers. I think to elaborate on Shaka's points, um, I personally think it's the current mentality in Dutch football, maybe in European youth football in general, that players, when, when certain clubs come calling, certain names come calling and you see the, the bright lights and you see the temptation to move, I think young players are moving because maybe they think this chance will never come again, I have to go. But they have to really take a step back and realise that if you're really, really that good, they will come for you again. It's not just a case of um, Benfica are coming for you, Real Madrid are coming for you, and you go straight away. Because as Shaka says, you can you, you can lose a lot of time, in, which could have been better spent in, in playing regular games, training methods, all these different kind of things. Um, not so long ago, in the distant past, with Dutch teams, they used to uh, really hone in on youth development, not just um, individual, but also as a team and, and what you're creating together. And I think, um, I think, I think maybe it's a, a, an attitude to think I have to have everything now. And you, I understand the player's career is very short, but it would help if the players were guided just that little bit more, as, as well as using common sense. Uh, so that when the if the bigger bigger if the big clubs do come, that you can you have the maturity to take a step back to analyse it to see if it really is what would be best for you. To give you an example of Berghinkel, Berghinkel was wanted by Ajax. Ajax was willing to move hell and high water to get him when he was at Vitesse. Um, he chose Chelsea above Ajax, and then his career has gone the way it's gone. Uh, Van Ginkel, if he'd have chosen Ajax from Vitesse, he may well be on a completely different path now. And there are um, other examples of that as well. I think, as regards to the national team, it, it would help if the current national team setup, as regards to the first team, was as transparent as what it used to be in terms of the pathway towards it. I think it's become a little bit messy with. Uh, um, Turnover of change, uh, turnover of managers of Young Oranje and the youth teams, and not having a strong enough national team manager who's a character to look and to assess the young players coming through, and maybe in the first instance to, to invite them to a meet up, not necessarily pick them due to the fact that they're uh, that they're extremely young, for example, but to to ease them in gradually. In my opinion. Um... The, what you have said, both of you, about players leaving early, I think that will start to stop now. I think you'll start to see the, a decline in players leaving for go for abroad um, at a young age because they've seen examples of cases where it's gone so right and so wrong. And how many times do you hear of a successful young Dutch footballer that's left for Man United and become a, a brilliant player? That There aren't many cases. And... Um, I think uh, examples such as Christian Eriksen, Jan Vertonghen, they've given examples to the likes of Davy Klaassen, um, who have decided to stay in the Netherlands longer, to play more games, get more experience and get to a level where they can finally feel that they're ready to leave the league before they've even started playing in it, like some players have done. Um, and I think these examples will really start to show players in the league that they should stay longer. Um, because in the past 10 years or so, players have left too early 
um, perhaps because they see the league isn't as good as it used to be and want to leave. Uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago, players would have stayed in the Netherlands to develop because the league was so strong. Um, but it lo it's looking like it's reversing to the old mentality of players sticking around and wanting to stay in in, in the Netherlands. Um, yeah, I think... Go ahead. Yeah, I think uh, that, that may be the case. And I think we're also in um, a place where there's a lot of young players where that are being produced where we can um, contrast because I was going to mention... Uh, you know, look at Daniel Malin who's moved to Arsenal, and you can look at Katsuras and see how the, how the who is still at Ajax, and you see how the, the those careers progress. But you also hear stories of Deshaun uh, Redan, who's the 15-year-old uh, player at Ajax who's refused to fight to sign a professional contract at Ajax and will sort of pursue a career at a bigger club. You know, Ajax released a statement where they said uh, you know we gave him a career plan um, you know he's 15 years old and he's he's rated highly as one of uh, the most talented players in the academy and you know he, he's seen sort of you know two 17 year olds in Clivet and and um, they lived get um, get a lot get football for the first team this year but he still decided to not sign a professional contract and Look, look elsewhere, sort of Manchester and uh, Man City. Um, and those, uh, those, I think, those stories are very, um, those stories are, are very disappointing because uh, it's it it helps the league, it helps teams, and it helps the players more if they stay and um, if they stay and continue to develop in the league. Uh, question we had him. From someone asked about uh, Timothy Fosiemensa and what's up with his development, and I think a loan to Ajax, for example, would be very good for his development because um, he hasn't been playing much in Manchester United, and perhaps he will look for some more experience next season. I think uh, a team like uh, PSV would look to loan him because uh, there was an interview with uh, Marcel Brands last week. Where he said that you know, PSV, you won't see PSV spending the money that 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 I spent on Neres and um, and uh, Ziyech because they don't have the, that sort of money, and their the sort of recruitment is going to be looking at loans, like players like Zinchenko, Van Henkel, and loans from sort of the bigger clubs uh, in England, especially, and making partnerships with them. And um, when I heard those comments, I thought it was quite disappointing. But um, for Sumenta, uh, it's he had um, he had a manager in Van Van who was looking to to give him a lot of opportunity, who trusted him. Van Hal trusted players before him. He, he trusted Blackett before him, who, who moved to Celtic. He trusted Cameron both at Jason. Uh, Rashford and um, now there's there's sort of a manager who would like to go with the more experienced players and um, alone would certainly be the best thing for him and um, you know Rashford's appearances have gone down this season both with Jackson both with Jackson's not anywhere near the first team um, 
Nelson Munster has to decide whether he wants to bide his time or and learn under a manager like Mourinho or um you know sort of move somewhere else uh for a season or so. I think for uh, Timothy Fosu Mensa, I think a loan would be uh, would be very sensible. You've also got to remember he's only 19 years of age, and uh, falling out of the picture uh, with Mourinho, not really showing an awful lot of um, confidence in youth. And Vachal uh, used to play him in cup cup games where there was something riding on it, showing showing him the trust and and letting him take the responsibility. Uh, just to go back quickly on what we were saying about the younger players, I interviewed Yudun uh, van der Leyla a couple of weeks ago, and he's only 21 years of years of age, and he was uh, telling me that he's uh, he does look he does keep an eye on foreign leagues, but he's fully committed to um, to first and foremost becoming a success in the Netherlands and becoming a success with FC Twente before entertaining any notion of um, of a potential move. So I think uh, I think the tide is turning with the mentality of the younger players but I think the clubs have to take responsibility to guide them uh, to guide them well uh, too When is your interview with Luciana Slachvier of Hedenvey? Uh, I received confirmation uh, about that on April the 13th Nice And it's due, it's due to be it's due to take place on April the 17th and um, I will interview Eduard Plan next Friday uh, although I have to get in touch with the press department um, uh, I think tomorrow just to double check that the appointment is still uh, is still on I believe it is but obviously they're a busy professional club and uh, there can be changes at the drop of a hat so you have to be professional about that but uh, yeah looking forward to both that's good news um, uh, I've just seen a question on uh, the tweet that you put up uh, for the podcast that says uh, they, someone wants us to talk about the Red Bull story about uh, Red Bull looking to buy a Dutch club if, if I can start with that it will be very interesting to see how that pans out because um, the Dutch league doesn't have a history of foreign owners I think uh, Milan Jordania from Vitesse was the very first one I think back in 2013, off the top of my head, I think. And there's lots of prerequisites that somebody has to have before they can um, enforce through any changes. So I, I, I think it's also a little bit in fashion that um, Leipzig are doing so well. So I'll, maybe this can, this can, this organism can spread out to uh, to other leagues almost overnight. But I, I think that the kind of Bay would show. Uh, would show not so much resistance, but they wouldn't make it as easier as what some people are proclaiming. I think even in that same interview, the um, sort of chairman of the um, footballing um, side of Red Bull said that it would have to be sort of a lower league club, uh, and because they would look to build up a club through the um, through the leagues as they did with Red Bull Leipzig. Who they they bought they bought in the when there was sort of the the fifth division and they sort of built them up. Um, so they said that he used the example of he said he wouldn't they wouldn't sort of buy a PSV or anything like that. But if it was someone in the uh, second third division, uh, then they would 
interesting proposition. Uh, you know, Jordania and the foreign owners at, at Ado, they've come under a lot of criticism for the style of ownership. Uh, there's a lot of uh, suspicion about um, Vitesse's links to Chelsea. There's a lot of suspicion about uh, the ownership style of the of the Chinese group that owns that owns Ado, and um, sort of um, you know I don't think I think the Dutch fans will be like the German fans. I don't know how they would take to sort of um, one one of the clubs being bought and sort of being able to spend more money and being used as sort of a marketing tool but also but also sort of bringing through players and uh bringing through managers and being very innovative about the way they go uh, go about um uh, football i don't think it'll be a positive um uh, I don't think it will be a positive if uh, um, Red Bull do manage to realise what their initial plans are. One important facet is that lower down in the Europa League uh, against uh, with small professional clubs who you would think would harbour ambitions to get back to um, to previous years. For example, Fortuna Sittard or Helmand Sport or somebody of that ilk. You would think that you would you you would look from uh, from afar and think why are these clubs not showing ambition to maybe get promoted again? It's also down to down to money, of course, and I, I don't believe that if Red Bull was to realise such a project project that people would necessarily buy into it. Maybe in the city upon which they were upon which they decide to do their business, but certainly not nationwide. I think it would be um, I think it would be frowned upon by the majority of the country. Yeah, there's definitely positives and negatives. Um, I'm on the positive side because I think um, you can see from first of all from Red Bull's perspective that if they get and get a club that's struggling and it's it's a, it's a story if they can suddenly be revitalised and come back to the top. Um, but on the, uh, yeah, the negative side is of course this club is lucky to have all the money pumped into the club and all of that. Um, but I I I personally would would think that it's a good thing for Dutch football should um, one of the, the big teams of old such as a Fortuna um, return to Eredivisie at the top as well um, only because it would strengthen the whole league I think the issue there though is that you've seen in Austria Rebel Salzburg now dominate um, the championship every single season um, which limits the success of other clubs in the country and uh, and that can only carry over again, perhaps, with Red Bull Leipzig. But then, as you can see there in Germany, maybe that competition for Bayern Munich is needed. And maybe it's a, it's a refreshment for the whole of the Dutch league as well, if there can be a team that can compete with Ajax, PSV and Feyenoord, um, money-wise as well. I think there's another sort of facet to look at, because um, you mentioned Red Bull Salzburg, but they're also sort of a feeder club to... Um... Leipzig and I think that's sort of what the Dutch team would become because uh, this season they let go of Ilsanka and Nabi Keita who, who have gone to Leipzig and been very influential in the success there and you know Oscar Garcia has had to work with a 
with a very young team that and I think you know um, you don't know how so the fans will deal with sort of players being filtered out to the Leipzig team well I think what Red Bull Salzburg have done is the they've also been um, really innovative about picking which coaches to bring in and they've they've always been founded upon a certain style a certain brand of football and they've brought in coaches who have come in and and um have exuded that and you've seen Ro- roger smith you and you're also seeing oscar garcia now who's doing well uh it, it will be a, it would be very interesting and they've also got another team in the Austrian second division named FC Liefering, who who they 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 also sort of scout and bring in young players. But the interesting thing about them is that they bring in players from all over the world, and I think that 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 will be um, that would be a very interesting prospect because they brought in a player from my native country, Zambia one of our best young players there who's going to go and play in the under-20 World Cup. And he would have, if if it wasn't for FC Liefering, he, he, he would have never been scouted. And, you know, he's playing with, uh, you know, German players, Japanese players, and and Brazilian players, and players from all over the world where he's playing at FC Liefering now. So I think it, it, it would be a very interesting ownership strike structure to have, and it does have his is advantages and disadvantages. Um, I would like to uh, speak about the incoming manager of Pexwala, John mm. Van Schip. Mm. Um, if I could start on the subject, I believe it's a strange appointment and one which shows a lack of ambition from the club. My reasons behind that was was when uh, Ron Jans took over from Art, Lang- Art Lang- Langler, it was a, a fantastic appointment and a fantastic coup for Peck Swaller to get someone like that, someone with experience with uh, at Groningen, at Hiram Fein, at Standard Liège, someone Aron Jans also played for Swaller in the past. So everything about that appointment signalled the club moving forward. And it's just my opinion, but I think everything about this appointment will maybe start the reverse of the club moving backwards. I know that and Schip has uh, experience, I believe, as Van Basten's assistant at the Na- when, um, when Van Basten was in charge of the national team, and um, working in Australia with Melbourne and uh, Deportivo Guadalajara. But I wonder if there were many options for Swalla, and I wonder if they really, really did their homework, because it appears they've made a decision now where I think looking ahead... I don't believe he's going to be able to take the club forward. I mean, they've, they've, won, they've played a cup final, they've won a cup final, they've played Sparta Prague in, uh, in Europe. They've had a wonderful time in recent years, Pexwala, but I think with, the, with this appointment being concrete, I wonder if that, if that, um, if that era is starting, uh, this may start to be the beginning of the end in that respect for them. I agree, James. Um, I, I would like to make the point about um, how how Ryan Jans has been the sort of uh, the main figure behind this development of the club. He's given the club such a lift, and the whole mentality around the club is it's it's very um, optimistic. 
and winning the cup um and then yeah going on to playing europe it's it's all positive and i and i agree with you james i think it it may start to see a decline because they need to replace players um they may need to center back any midfield will be good too and brock madsen leaving leaves um a very open hole uh, in attack for a new striker so some very good signings are going to have to be made there um but yeah i, I think the, the club wants to get bigger but I, I don't see how they can with this appointment. I'm not sure how this is any sort of step forward. I think if they want to be more ambitious, they should have gone for a foreign coach, perhaps, um, or a very good manager in, in the Upa League. Unfortunately, I can't, I can't, I couldn't name anyone there. Um, I, I but yeah, it's 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 very strange to me because um, there was Ani Slot who who's done very well at Campbell, who went to um, AZ. He doesn't have his full manager badges but I think would have had them at the end of the season he's from Zwolle he's um, no, he's from uh, a place uh, he was born near Zwolle um, he played for them um, I think and he's at only 38 years old he would have been he is one of the most talented young managers um, in the country um, his sort of his uh, um, the the, he was co-managers with Sepka Hoshoff at, at Camber, who's still at Camber, and he would have been another option at 42 years old, another young manager who, who, who could have made the step up. You've got, you could have taken Stegman from, um, from Heracles. And I think um, Van Schip has had a very, very... Um, uh, he, he's had a very, very uh, weird career trajectory. I think um, his failures in Mexico really concern me because that's a very, very tactically progressive league and um, where a lot of managers have sort of uh, a good tactical inspiration. You know, Pep Guardiola went out there to learn from Juan Lilo and really... Um, and Lilo is now um, assistant manager at Sevilla. So I think uh, they they made the decision in Hest. I think Gerard Nijkamp. I, I I said that he was a very clever technical director. Um, he, when the sort of when Monyans made his decision, he said two weeks. And um, when he could have given him more time, though, the there were a lot of managers that could have been evaluated. Uh, I think you know. I was shocked to hear that. Go ahead, we'll look at Pep Linders from Liverpool, but uh, Zwolle wouldn't have look won't look at him. Um, and the, I think the squad for next season, they, they've signed Easy Boer to a new contract, and they've signed another player to a new contract. They've let Danny Holler go. They're looking to. Um, speak to Birmingham about Brock Madsen and extending him for next season um, and I think if they sort of keep Wamadam for the rest for the next season they, they would have a good squad and where they would need to make a few additions and the the um, Van Chip I think he's one of those players that, that, that he's one of those managers that that's had a very very um, good playing career but you're still not sure he's 51, 52, 53. Um, and you're still not sure if he can cut it in the world of um, football management. So it's a very, very weird choice. 
to uh, to elaborate on um, on Michael's point about why not pick a, a good manager from the Upper League. The current manager of Favour uh, Venlo, Maurice Stein, he previously managed Ardo Den Haag in the past when they were in the Eredivisie. Uh, Venlo look as if they're going to win the UPL League. He could have been a, a, um, a competent candidate. The same with uh, Jack de Geer and Almeida City. To get Almeida City in contention to, uh, to get into the Eredivisie is also, um, is also uh, a, a good feat. I believe that they've been far too hasty. Well, like, I think there's there, there's a culture uprising in the Netherlands now, where as soon as a a train as soon as a manager is as um, has lost his job or is relieved of his duties, most cases within 24 hours a successor is named. Uh, this is not just for the Eredivisie. This is also for the Europa League, and you wonder if that's to pander to. Um, to interest from all quarters where they want to know who the next person will be in terms of a, a gossip uh, way of things or you wonder if they had somebody in mind beforehand but it's uh, I think it's quite worrying especially with, as regards to a, a, a Peck Swallow who have worked so hard to get where they are I mean this, they are essentially um, a, a first division uh, second division club who have had a fantastic era and they've uh, they've um, had a lot of success, which people didn't think that they would get. I remember when they first come, came up to the Eredivisie, I think in 2011, I think it was. Um, they surprised a lot of people by actually staying up, and people thought they may yo-yo between the two. But um, it's been a fantastic era for them. But I just worry that um, this appointment will start to, si- to signal the end of that. Once again, thank you for joining us on this week's Football Adania podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe, depending where you're listening, and comment your views on this week's chat and any questions for ahead of next week. Thank you again.